What's up, everybody? It's Keithy from Ghost Code Magazine. It's time for another Ghost Code Mag podcast. Today's podcast is an interview with Grant from In the Company of Serpents. Check it out. The Ghost Code Magazine podcast welcomes in Grant from In the Company of Serpents. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well, thank you. Awesome. Uh, thanks for taking the time today. Uh, new album, Lux, coming out May 15th. Uh, super excited. Um, I think it's almost 10 years for you guys as a band. Uh, and it's a, a really interesting time. This album is very deep and, uh, you know, got a lot of twists and turns. And I wanted to kind of start by talking about the concept of the record because I was definitely uh, fascinated by some of the stuff I was looking into, but I wanted to hear from you about it. Let me know if I start rambling because some of it can sound a little bit bizarre. But um, uh, basically, like the, the fundamental root essence of the thing is searching for fundamental root essence. Um, there's uh, this notion in a lot of esoteric disciplines and kind of the broader search for divinity or God or whatever you want to call it um, for the nature of being and just what everything is made up of. Um, and, you know, a lot of different wizards and, and whatnot and uh, priests and so forth have come up with their various ideas of, of what that may or may not be. Um, but um, the, the key ideas that I'm kind of playing with on this record are the ideas of all is sound, all is mind, and all is light. Um, but like if, if you were to describe everything reduced to its, to its fundamental essence, um, those are different ways that these folks basically but you could describe the manifest universe. And I think that's kind of an interesting concept that I wanted to play with. But um, at this point, my, my daughter is two years old, and um, we wound up naming her uh, after... Um, what, what we, used, we used a name that um, is light-based in its etymology. Um, so her name is Lucia, which, of course, comes from Lux. So... There's kind of this dual sort of um, approach that I'm working with um, for the concept of this record, in that part of it is a form of esoteric prayer, um, kind of meditating on that that idea of a fundamental root essence, um, and the other part of it is kind of trying to speak to my my uh, baby daughter, um, who you know it kind of is that embodiment of light for me in, in my own life. Nice. As with all art, uh, if it's not invading your personal life and impacting your, you know, your everyday, what is life anyway? <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, totally. Like it, I think, um, I mean, most, most good art, uh, has, at least in my, my experience and stuff I love, um, it has that, that way of just kind of, uh, encroaching on your day to day existence. Like you start thinking about it, and, um, your, your song pops in your head when, when a profound moment happens, something like that, you know? Okay. Nice. Not I, to say that that's what we're doing, but oh, like, yeah. well, <laughs> no, I'm riffing on what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. Um, and also, it's, you know, I, I, I often come across this, you know, I ask these very, you know, what is to me an inquisitive, you know, art-based question, and then it's like, can you describe what this, you know, in simple terms... <laughs> this very complex feeling that you put into something artistic. So I recognize that I'm also kind of a high-minded jackass. 
And, um, <laughs> you know, it's not easy. <laughs> you to you t- understand the profanity yeah. of, of trying to, <laughs> yeah. trying to and I'm an or- Yeah, and I'm not just a writer <laughs> and a journalist. I'm an artist at my heart, too. So I feel when someone can elaborate on it well, I'm super psyched. And if they can't, I'm not judgmental because not everybody can put it into words. Sometimes the music is all you can do. You yeah, know? you know, um, mm. that's, uh, that's a, that's a wonderful observation. And, you know, I, I would just posit that like human beings and species or just as, as creatures in general are fundamentally creative beings and that, you know, art manifests itself in a lot of ways. And, you know, anytime I hear somebody like, um, you know, harp on about being like, oh, I could never play music. I can't do it. I'm like, you could. Like, you just need to try. <laughs> um, I, I think, fundamentally like everybody has a creative streak and um you know um, my my foremost one is, is through music and um this is this this record in particular has been one that's definitely wrapped up in a lot of like uh heaviness uh for me um uh so like like along with the whole notion of it being like a form of prayer um and uh this is through my baby daughter, the, the, the whole thing we were writing and recording um, basically at the same time as the, the passing of my uh, father-in-law, um, like almost down to the hour, um, like we finished recording and, and found out he had passed. Um, and so there's a lot of like, so with, with all of like the solar imagery that comes from like a, a record titled Bucks um, and all the, this like, sort of invigorating like life affirming sort of energies there's also sort of the, the dawning and dusk uh, uh, facets of, of cyclical um, sort of events and how um, you know death is part of the same process that life and birth are right on I was going to say there's a lot of symbolism the artwork the lyrics the songs themselves like a lot like you said a lot of you know sort of uh transitional stuff, infinity symbols and, you know, life and death and things like that. Um, and I, and I have to, I have to single out cause I think this is the first time in a long time I've gotten a promo sent to me with an actual explanation and analysis of every song in a really, <laughs> in a really deep and loving way that I'm trying not to let like interfere with. I just wanted to listen to the record. I saw that would it, you know, I was like, Oh, this was sent to me. I'm going to listen to this whole thing a few times before I read this thing, because I don't, I just want to take it in. But, you know, interesting that you guys, you know, like you said, all is sound, all is mine and all is light. Um, but I love the track by track stuff because it's after I listen to it. It's very, you know, oh, yes, now I get it. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, you know, I, I, I worry about being a bit too robust with that shit. And, um, you know, like, like the, the only reason I've really taken that approach is that on previous records I tried to, Pull the whole like enigmatic like um, when I post any lyrics, I can tell you what any of the stuff mean type of shit, and it, and um, you know people like didn't connect with it or didn't get it or and I, I, I don't mean to like laboriously over explain where the fuck I'm coming from, you know what I mean? <laughs> but right. um, like there was like um, one of our records, uh, Merging in Love, was um, for me. It, that was another like like sort of mixed concept record where it was simultaneously about like my then very fresh marriage to my spouse uh, and the idea that Burroughs and 
uh, Brian Geisen came up with of the, the third mind concept that whenever two people are in discourse, there's a third entity that is created from the both of them that's superior to them that is the third mind in that conversation. And that sort of alchemical union between people was like sort of what that record was about, right? Didn't tell anybody about any of that shit and just wrote a really heavy sludge record. And like the reviews were like, Burial sludge, not thinking. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's experiences like that that have goaded me to be a bit more, um, uh, I guess, illustrative of what I mean. Sure. Hopefully this time it works out. Um, probably the answer is somewhere in the middle. Um, but I told, I'm again, like I said, I'm sensitive to that personally and, uh, I appreciate that you did it. So thank you. Um, it certainly <laughs> has enhanced my appreciation of the album so far. And, um, you know, I, I think about, like I said, a long time coming the fourth full length of the album and, and really the first is a trio and you've always been a band that's not afraid to experiment and, sort of broaden your sound, but also, you know, what has kind of narrowing it down to a three piece for this record kind of done or taken away from the writing? You know, it's, it's funny because it's kind of more like broadening it out to a three piece because everything else we've done was just being a drummer. Um, and uh, I, I had begun to feel the limitations of that. Um, you know, I wanted to, I could hear different ways that the songs could go. Um, with just extra instrumentation. Um, and so, so Ben Pitts, the, uh, third member who joined on, uh, bass and then also lap steel, he plays lap steel guitar in basically every one of the songs. Um, uh, he, uh, is a friend of mine. I've known for a long time. And we, at one point, um, uh, serpents, uh, my band or now our band, um, uh, and his former band, Rottenness, were both uh, on a festival that we played in uh, Mexico, like, years ago. And we had this, this day where we all just kind of, like, went and hiked up a mine bearded together, and I just, like, really bonded with this dude. I was like, fuck, I can play music with this guy. Like, and that had been kind of, like, nested in my head, like, four or five years back. I think it was, like, 2015 that we did that. Um, and when I finally got that itch where I'm like you know what, like, I really just need to broaden what we're doing, um, if not in the studio, also live, because I think, you know, it's there's, there's something about when you go and see a band live that sounds, um, that can't necessarily add all of the same sort of, um, I don't know, like, it, it doesn't capture their, their, their same sound in the studio, and I'm not trying to say that, you know, we want to sound exactly like we do on record. Of course not. Um, but I, I at least want to provide some approximation of it. But anyways, I'm rambling here. But, uh, um, I when I when I kind of came to the realization that we needed a third member, um, he's basically my first call. Um, and you know, he's a gifted gifted musician, played in a million other bands. And uh, yeah, he's like, <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not really a bass player, nor am I a lap steel guitarist. I'm like, well, it'll be fun. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's been cool to, to kind of open it up a little bit, um, from a writing perspective. I've had last steel guitar on every one of our records, save for our self-titled date. Um, and it's just something that I've used atmospherically on record. Um, and then when we played live, I've had to basically, we were a two-piece, 
I would like sample these different drones that I would play on the lap steel um, through just like a Luca pedal and then just cue it up uh, when I wanted to play it. But it's far more gratifying um, to have somebody there to actually just play these parts live. Um, a lot of which are, you know, very drone based. Like we're, we're tuning it to um, a minor open tuning that has this really eerie, somber sort of sound and you can kind of just drone on a single note and it just, this sound just kind of haunts the room. Um, so it's, it's been really, really satisfying to, to actually have that performed live as opposed to just doing something that I queue up on the pedal. Um, the other thing I would mention too is that uh, um, our former drummer, um, Joe, uh, decided to leave the band on good terms, no acrimony there. Um, and we had the good fortune of having our friend uh, J.P. Damron join on drums as well. And I mostly know him from his like super grindy projects. Um, like so, he was in clinging to the trees, clinging to the trees of a forest fire. Um, he's also in Vermin Room, um, two very very heavy caustic band, you know. Um, but that's been a really cool thing uh, to have a guy that has those, those crazy, crazy fast, grindy, technical chops um, in your in your back pocket. Like, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a, a heavily precise, um, you know, super fast guitarist, but, you know, when I try to uh, try to be, um, it's, it's really cool to have a drummer uh, behind you that can just spit that fire straight back at you. Right on, right on. Um, I can't chat with you without mentioning these phenomenal guests you brought in. Uh, obviously, clearly friends and very carefully chosen friends, but um, local friends. But, you know, I wanted to ask if you sort of wrote with them in mind or brought them on after the track started to take shape. 100% wrote with them on my, in, in mind. Um, like, uh, yeah, so... so um, Ben from Chemist asked me to perform on a track of theirs, Three Gates, uh, a couple records ago for them. Um, and I did a vocal on, on that for them. And it was just a really fun experience. It was like, that was the record that like kind of blew up for them. So it was like really cool to see like like something that your buddies had asked you to participate in. And obviously it's like, that was like all their art. They're, they're not, like in no way did my performance carry over to like, their success, that's all done. But it was a really fun experience for me, and I was like, well, that would be fucking cool. I would love to, like, have my friends um, participate in this record, and, like, who are some of my friends closest in the scene that have, you know, kind of been there for us as a band previously, and basically the, the first two people I thought of were went back from Canvas, and then the first even from a myriad of bands, but foremost of which probably right now is Primitive Man, but also... Blessings, Sperm and Womb, Clinging to the Trees of the Forest Fire, Keep, the, the list goes on. Um, and, like, like I can do a kind of harsh vocal, but I can't do an even level harsh vocal. Um, and I, I always really wanted to write, like, a crazy, dirty um, type of part. And um, one thing that I remember, like, when I, when I first started to, like, get into death metal, I remember hearing, like, Deicide Records, like, early on. And how they do that sort of doubled vocal where you'd record one vocal that was the low guttural type of thing. And then 
over the top of it and record seconds with that. Like, so it's freaky. That's a thing. And I know Ben can do a killer screechy vocal, and basically Ethan's low guttural vocal is, for my money, unsurpassed in terms of heavy music. Um, and so I kind of wrote that part with both of them in mind and um, asked them if they'd do it, and graciously they both accepted. Um, like, uh, I think, yeah, definitely one of the cooler things we've written. Like, it's, like, I've, I've joked with the other members of the band that that song, Scales of Mott, that we're talking about here, is uh, simultaneously, like, the most, like, like one of the more toffee things we've written, because, like, the front half of the song has this, like, straight-up, like, dance drum beat to it. And then, like, also the dirtiest, like, most, like, gnarly, like, dark thing we've written at the same time. So, kind of in a, uh, a fun dichotomy for me, and it was really a pleasure to have those friends uh, come in and perform. Definitely a standout on the record. Um, yeah, I'm glad you said dancey. I felt like marchy is a little bit more like what my... <laughs> My brain goes sure. to like the the majorette marchy beat. <clears throat> also, sure, like, sure. also yeah. like the American Midwest black metal bands all do like the marchy beat. Um, but uh, yeah, that's definitely one of the highlight tracks. And um, you know what? A I don't know. I've always heard that that Colorado is just just this magical place. Being an, I'm an East Coast guy, and I don't know why, but it just seems like every new band that comes from the scene over there is incredible and obviously you guys worked with Otero on this album and he has produced many of my favorite albums of the last I don't know how many years I don't what is what is it what's going on out there that you guys are, just seem to have this I don't know what this mana about you all it's it's incredible <laughs> um you know if I, uh, I would I would say one one little part of the the Colorado Mel scene history lesson that I'd have to point to um is, and I, I was just kind of alluding to it uh, there when I was talking about how Ethan's been super supportive of us. But um, that dude in particular um, has been running DIY spaces for heavy, heavy, crazy music for a long time. Um, he's not doing it anymore, but like for years and years when Denver was considered, you know, like, 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 like a cow town that nobody would want to play on their tours, like they took an East Coast tour take three days off to drive the rest of the country and then play the West Coast and nothing in between. Um, Ethan had been instrumental in making um, the city a place that heavy dance wanted to play. Um, so that's that's a huge part of it. Um, but also there's there's just kind of like, there's this sort of like on an island mentality uh, that kind of came from that where you get a bunch of heavy bands all like really trying to just you know, see what they could coax out of themselves artistically, um, but, like, not really in a competitive way, or at least not in my experience. Um, like, I've heard of, like, other music scenes where there's a lot of, like, backbiting and, like, fuck them, they got that show, we should have had that show, you know, type of, <laughs> like, like uh, backbiting, um, I don't know. You just described it. A2 Brutus uh, <laughs> mentality, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, like, like, and, and just, you know, like, like I, I didn't experience that at all when we were just kind of forming as a band. Like, and that's the other thing is like, there's such a diversity of the styles and, and what people are doing that like mixed genre shows um, 
are the norm here. Where like in other towns, you know, when we go out on tour or whatever, like people want to book us with like only other like sludgy doom bands, you know. Um, where like here, you know, like a, a show with like a, a noisier industrial band like Echo Beds and then, you know, something proggy like Dreadnought and then ourselves and then maybe like Primitive Man or something, like is not out of the ordinary. And um, I don't know, that, that, that sort of diversity and, and inclusivity um, and lack of, <laughs> you know, one-upsmanship, backbiting bullshit, I think has helped us foster pretty cool singing. Nice. Yeah, we adore Ethan here. We love, you know, all the things he does, the artwork, Primitive Man. We, we've interviewed him for our music industry podcast, and he's fantastic. Cool. Fantastic guy. Love the band live. Love Ethan. Um, I want to be respectful of your time as we sort of wind this up. I, I definitely am compelled to ask. Obviously, the whole world is upside down, and I sincerely hope that no no one in your family, you, your friends, the band their friends and family. Hopefully nobody's affected by this horrible virus, but um, I'd love to see this album perform live or have you perform it live and document it somehow. Cause I feel like it's very powerful and I think it works as a clearly meant to be a complete piece. Is that something you have entertained at all? Absolutely. And like, that's, it's one of the things that I've been kind of like, um, like mulling over right now because you know, ostensibly, we still have a record release show on the books for like three weeks from now that I do not think is probably going to happen. And I think it might be cavalier of us to even try to make it happen. Um, but uh, back in December, we did a show um, where there were some live visuals uh, done by this um, artist who goes by Moth Powder Light Show. Um, where he just projects different sort of like visuals that he kind of comes up with on the spot against the band playing. Um, and as soon as we played that, we thought it like, A, it worked phenomenal, and B, like, would really suit what we're doing. So we commissioned him to create visuals for every song on this record, and that was the idea of, you know, our record release show that ostensibly was supposed to be in a couple weeks here that, I'm probably, you know, later today going to have a call with the promoter and decide when we're going to postpone it out to because we don't want to be cavalier and kind of force a live show and, you know, we don't want to put any people in danger by trying to force a gathering or something like that, right? But um, the whole idea was that we would perform the whole record live, um, including the Viola de Moy pieces, um, with a backdrop um, uh, basically set against us of live visuals that kind of correspond to the various esoteric symbols and themes of each of the songs and trying to help that kind of really capture the essence of the record. Um, as of right now, uh, I've just been kind of still talking back and forth to that um, artist, Mark Potter White Show. Um, he's still creating all the visuals, but... Um, I don't know. With, with everything going on with this madness, you know, um, we we might try and just get in an empty room and perform it with the visuals uh, projected against us, and record it for posterity's sake, and see see, uh, see what people think. That would be killer. Um, I, I see a lot of bands kind of moving to a live stream thing in the meantime, or just connecting with their fans. Yeah. 
Um, I think when people start to get a hold of this music, it's going to it's going to help them a lot in this crazy time. Um, I know it wasn't obviously you could not know when you were writing this that this was going to happen in the world, but it may it may just wind up being that Lux is the album we kind of need right now and didn't know we needed. So thank you. Um, I appreciate that, man. Um, You know, like when you when you mentioned I didn't know it was going to be. I I mentioned there's like the the whole untimely death thing that we didn't anticipate that was part of part of it. Um, But like I wrote um, one of one of the songs that could most be directly applied to this broader situation about like the world turning into a dumpster fire, but us still having some agency to do something about it and change it. Um, that song um, is called The Fool's Journey. I wrote that like two years ago. Um, and I thought it was about like climate change and like fascistic um, despots trying to take over um, the political sphere. Um, little did I know that like, oh no, this just equally applies to fucking global pandemic. So there's been a lot of shit about this record that's been really prophetic to me, where it's like, oh, I thought it was about this. No, 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 no. It, it's actually about this. Um, and that only has revealed itself to me much after the fact of its initial writing. So thank you um, for kind of gleaning that. Um, it's been weird. <laughs> It's going to get weirder, my friend. But Grant, thank you so much for spending some time with me and, and making the, the difficult and complex simple and uh, breaking it down and sharing your story also. I'm, I'm really appreciative of that. Um, again, in the company of servants, Lux, man. I hope everybody goes and picks this record up May 15th and uh, hopefully we'll get life back to normal and we'll get to see you either out west or here in the east coast at some point. Thanks a lot, Keith. Live long and prosper, man. Indeed. Take care. Thanks for checking out today's podcast. Follow, like, and subscribe wherever you hear these podcasts. Also check out Ghost Cult Magazine on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And finally check us out at ghostcultman.com. We're out. Peace.